Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His risen Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the reading from Acts chapter 3, verse 16, where Peter says, In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So far our text. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Our text this morning begins while he clung to Peter and John. Why was he clinging to him? What had they done to deserve such attention from him? Well, we go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. It was the established prayer hour for the ninth hour of the day. A prayer hour transformed by Christ from mundane to wonderful, as that is also the hour of his death. The disciples went to the temple to pray. They were not praying with the Jews as if joining their worship of Christ with the worship of those who refused to believe in Jesus. The temple precinct had many places of prayer that were primarily focused for individual prayer. In one of those places, the disciples would come to pray at the appointed times of prayer. During this hour of prayer, they came across a beggar seeking alms who had been lame since birth. Hearing his story, they would have been reminded of Jesus giving sight to the man born blind. Here was a man who had been laid at one of the gates of the temple every day to beg for money from people coming to worship at the temple. Here was a man who understood this morning's psalm, Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. A prayer that he felt would stay unanswered forever. But Peter doesn't leave him like that. I have no silver and gold. Of course, the man is probably wanting to turn away. But there's something about Peter. Maybe it's the way he was standing. Maybe it was the way he was speaking that made him keep his focus on him. And Peter continues, But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And guess what? The man gets up and walks. The name of Jesus gives strength to those who believe. Part of that strength is the awesome wonder that His name's power has in this life. It is that awesome wonder that caused the previously lame man to cling to them while everyone else had to pick their jaw up off the ground. But Peter will not leave them like that either. He takes advantage of those coming for the prayer hour to preach the truth about the name that gives strength. He begins by rebuking them. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? As though by our power or piety, we made this man walk. It is very reminiscent of Luther's explanation of the third article of the Creed. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. Peter and John don't have the power or the strength to make the lame man walk, but they knew where to find that power and strength. Faith in the name of Jesus gives spiritual strength. This strength comes because the name of Jesus shakes you to the core in the first place. What was the major theme of the angelic messages surrounding Jesus' birth. The child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. 
He will save His people from their sins. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus' birth was all about salvation. After all, Jesus' name means Yahweh is salvation. As Christians who have heard this almost all our lives, we get a bit desensitized to the actual power and effect Jesus' name has. The fact that Jesus' name speaks of salvation requires us to admit that we need salvation. Salvation from our sins. From the facts that Peter laid out plainly before the people. You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. Peter isn't just speaking these words to the people in Solomon's portico. He's speaking to everyone who hears these words being spoken again. He spoke to St. Luke as he prepared his history of God's working in the early church. He spoke to Martin Luther as he stood on trial 500 years ago today as a heretic before the emperor and the pope. He's speaking to you as you sit in the pew of our Savior Lutheran Church. And he will speak these words to every generation until the author of life returns from heaven at the time where the restoring of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets long ago will come to pass. Jesus' name breaks you down to nothing as you realize that you killed Jesus through your sin. But Jesus' name doesn't leave you there. It strengthens you by telling you that salvation is available through Him. St. John later writes, You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. Jesus is your Savior, and this is good news. He has come to take away your sin, the sin that weighs you down. He has come to take that weight off of you, and He has placed it on His own shoulders. Unburdened from your sins, you can properly say, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. We're coming into the heart of planting season. Some have started, some not yet, but we're getting there. But the Psalms appointed for this morning point us to the harvest. When the grain abounds from the field, a bountiful bumper crop. When the grapes have been gathered and pressed and fermented into wine. King Solomon reminds us, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens the life. Jesus, as your Savior, gladdens your life much more than an abundance of bread and wine. Jesus, as your Savior, shows also that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Salvation sets apart the godly from the ungodly. Jesus, your Savior, numbers you among the godly at His right hand. But this numbering among the saints and being at God's right hand doesn't give us reason to boast or be proud. As we sang at the beginning of the service, I claim a place, though weak and lowly, among your saints, your chosen host. We take a low place so that He might exalt us in His wonderful mercy. This exaltation instills in you the spiritual strength to be able to pray In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
This safety in which we dwell reminds us of the great peace we have in Christ. Since He in death could perish never, I also shall not die forever. We will sing in a few moments. In Christ's Easter victory over the grave, He gives us such peace that we realize there is nothing to fear in this life. He broke the age-bound chains of hell. Although there are so many things that try to instill fear in us, Jesus says we have no reason to fear. In fact, we are given the strength to defeat the fear surrounding us. Another psalm reminds us, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Does this mean Christians won't have bad things happen to them? Or that Christians are somehow immune to disease? Absolutely not. Just look at the prayer list in your bulletin. Bad things happen. Disease comes upon everyone. But the bad thing, the disease is not the end. We have the strength to stand against them because He has granted us to dwell in safety because we bear His name. His name also gives us the spiritual strength to proclaim the reason for the hope that is in you. What is the reason for your hope? It was the strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death has ended. This contention between life and death has been declared throughout the Scriptures, in the Law of Moses, in the Prophets, even in the Psalms. Jesus' victory over death has been the core of the Gospel since the Garden of Eden. Everywhere that God talks about salvation in the Scriptures, it always includes the reversal of sin's curse. The curse of sin is death. The salvation of God is life everlasting. Faith in Jesus' name gives our proclamation strength. Faith strengthened Peter to say to the Jews gathered for prayer, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. The denier in the privacy of the high priest's courtyard proclaimed their public denial of Emmanuel, God with us. When Pilate sought to release Jesus, the chief priests and elders incited the people to have Jesus crucified, and they went along with it. And likewise, the same faith strengthened Martin Luther to stand before the emperor and the pope's representatives and stand firm on the truthfulness of his writings. As I mentioned, today is the 500th anniversary of that remarkable moment where standing before the holy Roman emperor himself and the pope's right-hand man, Luther declared that his life meant nothing to him any longer. Only the truth mattered. When he is asked to recant all of his writings against the teachings of the Roman church, he refused. He refused to recant anything that could not be proven wrong according to the Scriptures. My conscience is captive to the Word of God, he said. Luther placed himself firmly within the faith in Jesus' name. Everything that he valued was wrapped up in the Word that became flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. Even today, Jesus' name strengthens our proclamation. And we make that proclamation every time we mention our connection to this place. Our Savior, Lutheran Church. 
That name strengthens our proclamation that our Savior can be their Savior as well. And so we share His love with them. To let them see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. His name strengthens our proclamation so that everyone may be called a child of God. That everyone may know that God loves them. And that everyone may know that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.